Thank you for downloading our podcast. This is Manage Your Money God's Way, and we're from Compass Catholic Ministries. We're dedicated to helping you discover smarter ways to manage your money. Whether you're in debt or free of debt, we have the resources to help you reach your financial goals and live with a sense of joy and contentment. Check out our Bible study, Faith and Money Matters. It's there to preview at compasscatholic.org. And if you like what you see and you're thinking, now is the time I want to get serious about my personal finances, fill out the contact form and we will be back in touch. Again, the web address is compasscatholic.org. My name is Steve Holbrook, and joining me today are the co-founders of Compass Catholic Ministries, John and Evelyn Bean. In the Bible study, we show you ways to handle your debt, but we also discuss another result of being in debt, and that's what we'd like to talk about today, the spiritual cost of that debt. You know, in all the parishes that we visited all over the U.S. and even in other parts of the world, we've only heard the priest give a homily on responsible spending Two or three times. Isn't that right, John? That's true. And the one that I remember the best was in Croatia. Yes. He gave those people what for about (laughs) how they were not being responsible with their spending and they were giving their kids too much money and they needed to be better at managing their money. But when he was talking about that stuff, he really had the congregation's attention. Yes, absolutely. They were all paying attention to him. Absolutely. There's no question about that. So, you know, money's really a big deal in our daily lives. And unfortunately, um, too many of us have way too many close calls. We have too many bills. We don't have enough cash. And, you know, the United States um, is a very, very affluent society. Uh, we don't think so, but it really is when you compare it to all of the other countries in the world. And out-of-control debt is kind of a quiet monster that we're dealing with on a daily basis. So that's something Sirach talked about around the time of 200 B.C., right? Yes, ma'am. Sirach lived in Jerusalem with all its trade and travelers, and he realized, this is a quote from Sirach 2011, a man may buy much for little but pay for it seven times over. And paying seven times over is what happens to us today when we buy stuff using credit cards that never completely get paid off. You know, debt that just keeps growing is, first of all, a huge money problem. But it becomes a spiritual problem, too, because that debt drags us into slavery. Proverbs 22.7 says, The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. You know, being in debt can make people feel isolated and embarrassed and alone because they think they're the only ones that are having that problem. If they have creditors calling every day, day after day, all the stress eats away at their peace of mind. And if they're also dealing with divorce or joblessness or health problems, it really makes people feel powerless. Some people uh, are compelled to hide the spending problem because they don't want to admit that they've got it. They don't fully understand it. They're embarrassed. The pride gets in the way. Their ego gets in the way. And they're not too sure what to do about it. And they don't know what to do about it. You know, one of the most amazing thing about America's growing difficulty with debt is the kind of people that fall into debt. It's everybody. Anybody and everybody, right? Exactly. And it doesn't matter how much money you earn. Everybody... I mean, that we work with, it runs the gamut. 
in their salaries. Yeah, it's blue-collar people. It's professionals that are making tons of money. And it's people that you think would have the wherewithal to figure it out before they got too deep into that hole. I think people just get used to spending in a certain way, and they just kind of keep on going down that path because they don't really know how to change. And, you know, a lot of the couples we've worked with, each of them blames the other for not changing. You know, well, I'll change when he changes, and he says, well, I'll change when she changes, and they just keep overspending and and getting further and further into debt. But I I think the root of the problem, besides the fact, uh, you know, we've got this entitlement kind of mentality, and, and we're trying to buy happiness... It, it gets down to the point where people don't track how much they spend. They have no concept of how much money they're spending in any given category. I mean, yes, they know how much the mortgage is and they know how much the car payments are, but they don't know what the rest of the cost of, of that house is or that car is. Now, the individuals and couples that you have worked with over all these years, have you ever gone into a home and you asked, do you know where you're spending your money? Has anyone ever said... Why, yes, I do. Well, they say, why, yes, I do, but they really don't. No, it's like John said. They know the mortgage, the car payment, <laughs> yeah. the power bill, but yeah. all the little things. We've and, never had anybody that actually tracked their right. spending that wasn't surprised by something. You know, that's why it's so dangerous, uh, in my opinion, for people to take out a quick fix to pay off their debt because they haven't made that lifestyle change. And that lifestyle change on how you think about money and how you manage your money is imperative in order to change how you are spending money. Well, and I just read an article uh, over the weekend uh, uh, that the average amount of money that's non-essential spend, the average American spends $700 a month Mm -hmm. on non-essential items. So that's like restaurant meals or the new cell phone or yeah. movies or... Coffee. Coffee. You <laughs> there <know>. you go. <laughs> Coffee's the big one. <laughs> you know, a lot of the couples we've dealt with are kind of myopic in what they think is essential and not essential. You're talking about electronics, entertainment, gym memberships. Pets. Uh, streaming pets. services. Pets. pets. <laughs> yeah. Spa services. Steve, you're, you're nodding your head. What have you seen in the couples that you've worked with? No, the one that I'm working with, uh, that Audrey and I are working with right now, his spending is right in line in all the categories except for two. He's a single guy eating out, and he has a hobby that he is just going crazy at spending money on this hobby. But yeah. if he's, eating, he's single, he's eating out a lot, is he also buying groceries? Yeah, but his grocery, its groceries are like minimal. Yeah, so, so it, if, I you, mean, but if you, if add, you the, add the two of them together. He's right in line. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I was kind of surprised we were going down through the checklist of how much. And he had everything because we asked, come with this this information. And uh, I said, there's got to be something because on paper, this looks good. He said, well, let me tell you about my hobby. You know, but that's a good point because we've seen people with six-figure incomes who end up filing for bankruptcy because they just run up their credit cards every month. And in the short term, it really doesn't matter because they can always pay the bills when they come in. And then something happens, and the interest rates and late fees get them. Yeah, yeah. And then the monthly payments aren't even touching the principal. And that's a problem. That's that's a huge problem. That's a huge problem. You know, most people are uh, one uh, or two paychecks away from a major financial catastrophe. You have to change. You have to change your habits. 48% 
of uh, the population when they did this non-essential spending uh, review, 48% said that their non-essential spending, it worked against them in in creating a retirement fund. They were spending money on non-essentials instead of saving for retirement. But, you know, think about it. Retirement seems so far away when you're in your 20s and 30s, then all of a sudden it's time to retire. But if, if a family is spending $700 a month in non-essential spending. Just imagine what that could do for your retirement saving. Well, that's $8,400 a year. That's going to be almost $800,000 yeah. after uh, 30 or 40 years at a reasonable rate of return. But our society encourages that instant gratification and the restaurant meals and the furniture and the new clothes and the big car and all that kind of stuff. And it's also not thinking before you make that purchase because, again, little things, looking through his budget, um, he would buy a sport drink at the golf course and he would buy two. So and that's like six bucks, right? I said, if you six went or eight. To, I said if you went to a grocery store and looked for it on sale, you probably can buy a six-pack of that for what you bought for two. Yeah. I said it's little things like these that you have to really be aware of and start using coupons. And was he um, amenable to that or was he? I'll let you know. We're meeting later this week. <laughs> <laughs> to be continued. Yes. <laughs> but, but the thing of it is people get so caught up in the debt and the, the gratification. They're trying to, to find that happiness and it's killing them spiritually. And there's no common thread to those who get into financial trouble, like we were saying before, without paying attention to where the money's going, it can happen to anybody. And Catholics aren't any different than the rest of the U.S. population. And we get back to where we started. The churches don't talk about personal financial responsibility unless it has to do with giving. So that leaves it up to us to harangue everybody. About. <laughs> <laughs> to encourage everybody, John. We're not going to harangue. We're going to encourage them. You know, we talked about keeping track, but it goes back to that contentment thing with, you know, and, and, and Paul said, did such a great job of it in um, Philippians four eleven through 13, for I have learned to be content. And that's something that I think everybody could take a huge, hefty dose of, is learning to be content so that we're not trying to go out there and satisfy all our whims by stuff that we purchase. Because once you purchase all that stuff, eventually you get to the point where you have to give it all away, right? <laughs> well, you no. Know, you know what happens? You buy so much stuff, you fill up your closets, you fill up your garage, and then you have to go buy or rent a, a storage. storage facility for another 100 or $200 a month. And you're just spending more money you know, storing stuff that you didn't want in the first place. Well, you wanted it in the first place. You didn't need it in the first place, right? Well, it didn't, it didn't accomplish whatever it was you were trying to set it out for. Wants versus needs. Yeah. It's always yeah. a balancing act. You're right, Evelyn. I think that has to be lesson number one, learning the difference between wants and needs. This is Manage Your Money God's Way. We are from Compass Catholic Ministries. We teach the biblical principles on handling money, from savings to giving to ridding yourself of all your debt, no matter how small or large your debt may be. And yes, we do talk a lot about the differences between wants and needs. You can learn more at compasscatholic.org. The name of the study is Faith and Money Matters. Okay, Evelyn, let's get into the spiritual cost of being in debt. Debt is definitely a financial problem, but the spiritual impact is what a lot of people don't think about. 
Um, if they're in trouble with money, they've got anxiety all the time, they can be exhausted working extra jobs or long hours trying to pay debt off and earn extra money, then something happens. A child gets sick, you have unplanned pregnancy, the roof gets a leak, and something happens that makes everything worse. And if anybody has a tendency towards depression, boom, it's going to come out. It's going to hit the fan. Yeah. And the relationships between the husband and the wife and the parents and the children, all that stuff just starts to fall apart. And it's all because everybody's under the gun, the gun of debt. You know, the sad thing is that a lot of families want to send their kids to Catholic schools. And I understand this isn't doable for many families just because of the cost. But if they can't afford it because there are other places where their money's committed and they have enough money to send the kids to school, but it's being used in the wrong places spent elsewhere yeah that's kind of sad yeah and and, you know the same thing is happening with vocations uh we've been down at the seminary in in, uh, south florida we've taught classes there Uh, we've talked to the rector and some of the professors and to our own bishop and vocations are being postponed because many religious orders or diocesan vocation offices are not accepting candidates who have a massive amount of debt, whether it's credit card debt or I think in most cases it's mostly student debt. But, you know, if, if a uh, young man or woman comes to the diocese and says, I want a religious vocation, but I've got sixty or $70,000 in debt, the answer is going to be no. Come back when your debt's paid off. Yes. Yep. You know, and eliminating debt, the the blessing of eliminating debt, which I don't think a lot of people realize, is that it frees them up to do what God's calling them to do. Maybe not live in the fanciest house in town, but they have a call to serve other people. God's given each of us a call, and being out of debt often allows people to channel their efforts towards serving God in the unique way he's called them. But if they've got all this debt, then they feel like they they can't be generous. They can't give to other people. They can't give to charities or to the church because they've got this overwhelming debt that's just driving them batty. And they don't have the money. You know, all the money is being focused towards trying to pay off debt. Hopefully, uh, unfortunately, I think in many cases, not only is it being... Uh, focused on paying off debt. It's also buying more junk to try to figure out how to get happy again. How to get happy. So John, why would you think people are so um, overcome by overspending? It goes back to this thing of contentment. People are not content. They're, they're, They're looking for something to make them feel fulfilled, to make them feel happy, to have a purpose in life. So they keep buying stuff, 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 more stuff. And if they would just pay a little bit more attention in church, start praying a little bit, turn to God, they could find that satisfaction, that, uh, um, that happiness, that sense of fulfillment by following what the scriptures say. And that sense of fulfillment doesn't happen overnight, does it? I think you could have a sense of fulfillment overnight, overnight if you do something really, really cool. You know, you, you go up to the parish and you help with a particular project. One that comes to my mind in our parish is a Christmas store. Mm-hmm. You know, you could spend a Saturday up there and you could feel a sense of happiness. You could feel a sense of fulfillment. But that's one day and that's a fleeting 
It's a feeling, not a life change. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's exactly. A warm, it's a warm fuzzy. It's a warm fuzzy. You got to put a whole bunch of those back to back to back to back. And it's just like they're spending. They're not going out and spending one time. They're going out and spending over and over and over and over and over again, multiple times a week, multiple times a month. And it's just, you know, driving them into a hole. You know, what's interesting today, I was at one of the um, warehouse stores. The first thing your eye hits when you walk through the door are those 80-inch televisions. Yes. And to get from where I was going, I had to go through the televisions. <laughs> then all of a sudden you hit the latest uh, tablets. Yes. And they're going, hey, I'd like to have one of those. And then there's the new phones. Yes. And then you get to the food. <laughs> and the toilet paper's way in the back. <laughs> it's as far from the front door as you can get. But I saw... <laughs> I know which store you're talking about. <laughs> and I can see how tough it is, unless you're very disciplined, to say, I don't need that today or tomorrow. Or it's not in the budget. I mean, yeah. that's, that's a phrase we always encourage people to use. It's not in the budget. And, it, and this is where you always suggest or highly recommend that they wait, what, 24, 48 hours uh, oh, before they make 90 it long, days. 90, 90 days. days, yeah, yeah, yeah. 90 days. If you really want something that's not in the budget, save up the money for 90 days. Yeah. And, you know, if we keep spending and spending uh, on things that we can't afford, it just becomes this huge spiritual issue. It, it's an indication that we don't trust God to fulfill us, to make us happy. If we trust God and we believe in him, we don't need all that stuff to be happiness or to find happiness. It's, it's going to happen naturally. In uh, uh, a homily in 1998, uh, Pope John Paul, St. Pope John Paul, yeah, he gave a, a, a homily uh, that described consumerism as a false antidote to spiritual emptiness. And he said, Christ alone can free us from what enslaves us to evil and selfishness, from the frantic search for material possessions, from the thirst for power and control over others and over things, from the illusion of easy success and from the frenzy of consumerism and hedonism, which ultimately destroy the human being. So consumerism can be an addiction, according to what he's saying. Consumerism can consume you just as much as anything else in life can consume you, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's not helpful to your pocketbook, much less your soul. <laughs> You know, too many times, and Catholics are just like anybody else, there's this separation between my money and my faith. But if you really step back, you will spend your money, your time, and your thoughts on the things that are most important to you. I agree. So if you stop and think for a minute, what are your priorities? Where did you spend the last month's time, money, and thoughts? What did you think about the most? Where did most of your money go? And where did you spend your time? And that'll tell you what your priorities are. And a clear indication of that is just to look at your credit card statement and your bank statement. You'll see what's important to you because you'll see where you're spending your money. And, you know, it, we've just got to, I don't know, sit back, relax, and, and just... Get off the rat race. Think about God. Yeah. 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 Take, take five minutes, ten minutes every morning. And just, you know, read the, the daily readings or, or pick out just a, uh, a section of the Bible, you know, six or ten 
um, verses and just read them and think about them. And how can you apply them to your life? So we're not saying that spending is wrong or that treating ourselves to nice things is bad. What we're saying is that how much you buy needs to depend on how much you can afford. And if you're buying more than you can afford, it's really a reflection of values that are outplaced, out of place. Yeah, yeah, out of place. Absolutely. It's amazing how content uh, a person can be by living just a very simple life. If, and here's the key thing, we would only take the time to do it. In the Old Testament, the Bible talks about money a bunch. Money and wealth, uh, the oppression of the poor and the need for justice. And in the New Testament, it says that wealth and riches are subordinate to the reign of God. But we've got our own New World New Testament. By the way we live, we're saying that stuff is more important than God. Jesus tells a parable of the rich farmer who had this great, great harvest. And uh, he didn't have enough space in his barn. So he wanted to store. And the key word in that whole parable is a simple three-letter word, all. A-L-L. Well, the other key words in that parable are me and mine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All very simple words. He wanted to store all of his uh, wealth in the barns. And, you know, that evening the, the uh, man dies and, and it shows the uh, futility of it all. The coming reign of God forces people to review their, ba- their values. So as you read through scriptures and apply it to how in debt people are, you realize that being in debt means you're serving your lenders, not your Lord. And some Catholics who drag their way out of debt say not owing money gives them a great sense of joy and freedom and gratitude. Because once you're out of debt and you put money and possessions in their proper perspective, you come to this understanding that everything, everything is a gift from God. So it's a sense that God will provide in good times and in bad. And to have a lessening uh, desire to have more and more and more. You know, everything we have, including our money and our possessions, ultimately comes from God and not our own effort. Paul said in Acts 17.25, It is God who gives to everyone life and breath and everything. When you realize this, it suddenly became a lot easier to escape from the grasp of consumerism. So the bottom line is stuff will never make us happy for long, and money will never solve financial problems unless you learn to manage it God's way. And if you stop and think about some of the purchases, some of the big items that you purchased in the last, let's say, three to six months, after the first month or two months, you look back on those purchases and you ask yourself, Did I really need that or was that truly a want? Evelyn has written a great blog about this topic, The Spiritual Cost of Debt, and you can read it by going to compasscatholic.org. Again, the name of the blog is The Spiritual Cost of Debt. And we've received a lot of emails, as we always do, and John and Evelyn love to answer these emails, so let's see if we can tackle a couple here before we have to leave. And John and Evelyn, this one's kind of timely for this time of the year. I just graduated from college. I'm getting my first job. How do I establish credit? You know, I applaud you for looking at your financial future and trying to establish credit now. And as a starting point, just to be sure there's no identity theft, I would start by reviewing both your credit score and your credit report. So go to 
freecreditreport.com for your report, and you may have to pay for the score if your bank doesn't offer it for free. And then what would you do after they check their credit score and credit report, John? Well, I think one of the things that they could do is get a secured credit card to help build up their credit score. Now, what is a secured credit card? It's one like you go in and pay $500 to the credit card company, put that money in advance, and then you have $500 that you can charge. As soon as that $500 is depleted, then your charge card won't be any good unless you put more money back into the account. In effect, paying off what you just charged. Exactly, exactly. So you're staying on top of it and building credit score. Yeah, you're actually, basically you're using cash, but you're creating a, uh, a, a credit, credit record. Yes, yeah. yeah, yeah. Good idea. All right, John and Evelyn, this is from a newly married couple who also recently graduated from college. We want a budget, but we don't know where to start. Please help. Starting a budget can be difficult because if you don't know where you're actually spending money now, all you're doing is pulling numbers out of thin air. So the best place to start if you're trying to start a budget is to track every penny you spend to see where your money's actually going. After you've done that for uh, 30 or 60 days, it's time to build a budget. And you have a starting point to do your budget based on what your actual spending was. Otherwise, you're just, you know, like Evelyn said, you're pulling numbers. It doesn't work. And let me add, on our website, compasscatholic.org, we have available for you absolutely free financial worksheets, spreadsheets that are available for you to use so you can help set up your budget, track your spending. There's a variety of spreadsheets. Take a look. Go to compasscatholic.org. On the navigational menu, click on resources, and you'll see financial spreadsheets. John and Evelyn, thank you so very much. Always great advice. Now, if you have a financial question for John and Evelyn, maybe you're, you've got a financial challenge going on in your life and you like some advice, they'd love hearing from you. Send your questions to askask at compasscatholic.org. Also want to tell you about our brand new YouTube site. It's a YouTube channel called Compass Catholic. Simply go to youtube.com, search for Compass Catholic. You can subscribe. On it, you'll find weekly video series. It's called Catholic Stewardship in Real Life. Again, that brand new YouTube channel, it's called Compass Catholic. For John and Evelyn Bean, thank you so much for listening. And remember, we have a brand new podcast for you each and every Wednesday morning, bright and early. Simply go to compasscatholic.org.